because if indeed these documents are available, the court will normally not enter into such ironies. Um, yes, the court has a discretion to do anything if it wishes to do, but it must be the case that if um, I'm being called upon to exercise my discretion, it is necessary for me to indeed exercise that discretion, not simply because you are asking for it, mm. and uh, not simply because you are even meeting the legal threshold that um, has been set for, um, for, for that particular application that is being made on me. Um, you may succeed in urging me, convincing me to exercise my discretion, but at the end of the day, if it is an exercise in futility, the court would never um, entertain such applications. And, and indeed, and like you already pointed out, if they get these documents from the back door and they turn that in, it then becomes the responsibility of the EC to deny the, um, um, the, the validity of that particular document, if mm. you think it is not the original. They would have to then tell the court. So then you have them push them to the wall to produce what they believe it is the original or okay. what they believe is a genuine document. Okay, Justice, Justice um, Abdullah, I'm afraid we have to cross over again to the Supreme Court uh, for the press conference. ...to produce for inspection certain documents. Now, this was founded on a request we made to the first respondent on 19th January 2020. That the first twenty twenty one, sorry, that the first respondent should produce for our inspection the constituency and regional coalition sheets, the regional and constituency summary sheets, as well as form thirteen. We also wanted to find out from them the basis for the different corrections that they had made. So we filed an application and our council made it very clear that the reason for which we are asking for all these sheets is the fact that, yes, we have, for example, the constituency and regional sheets. However, we need to know the basis for the different figures that the EC keeps coming up with. You recollect that there are, there's a figure of the ninth declaration, which was quoted as the valid votes. There's the alleged correction that was made on the 10th. There's also the figure of 13 million 121 plus, which they quoted in their paragraph 24 of their answer which was a sort of acknowledgement of what we were saying in our petition. So they've come up with different figures. We don't know the basis for which they have come up with those figures. And therefore, we needed to see the originals of those documents to be able to make our own assessment before we cross-examine the first rep respondent's witness. Unfortunately, the Supreme court did not agree with our request. It refused our application on the grounds that these are documents that are in our custody. But while the Supreme Court has ruled, there's not much we can do, but we disagree with the fact that all these documents are set in our custody and therefore we are not entitled to it. You heard the two witnesses that have testified so far. Both of them, for example, have said the Form 13. They have never seen or signed the Form 13. 
and that is at least one document that we don't have in our custody, the most important document of all. We've never seen it. Again, we've made it clear that we were not part of whatever discussions happened at the EC when the different corrections were made. And therefore, we need to see the basis for those corrections. Well, we've been denied that opportunity by the, the, the court. But that's not the end. We'll still continue with, with, with our case. Questions? Um, Council, at the close of proceedings <clears throat> yesterday, uh, Mr. Chikata had indicated that uh, depending on whether this request was granted or not, it may determine the possibility of calling another witness. Uh, we saw at the close of proceedings that another request was made about a potential witness. We know we are not supposed to know the specifics of that particular decision, but we just wanted to find out, is it a case that you are going to call another witness or has that request been granted and you don't have to file a witness statement for another witness to come? As you saw, I did not enter the room with the council and the judges. We are not privy to that discussion and it's not for public consumption. That's why it was held in camera. You notice that when his lordship, the chief justice, came and agenda case. He did not give any details. I do not have the details either. Right, um, so, sorry, uh, we know that he who alleges also bears the burden of proof. You have come to court without certain facts, facts that prior to filing the case in court, we, there were some communications put out there to suggest that you did have all these facts. Indeed, today we get the impression that you, this application was an afterthought. Uh, you were not prepared for it. You had 21 days to have been able to put all these facts together. Why, why didn't you do that earlier on? Was it an afterthought? You're entirely wrong. Maybe you misunderstand our case. We have stated clearly what our case is, and it is based on the declaration of the EC. Based on the declaration of the EC, that no candidate got more than 50%. It's based on the fact that there have been so many corrections to that figure, which nobody knows the basis of. And that is why we say that the declaration is null and void. We have come fully prepared for this case. And in any case, the EC is supposed to be an impartial part of this whole election process. What do they have to hide? What prejudice will be occasioned to them if they produce the documents for us to see? None whatsoever. If you conducted your activities as EC, as EC chair, fairly, transparently, impartially, why will you not produce the documents for us to see? I want to also ask about the impact of the application that was denied your side on the case going forward. Are we expecting to see you um, call another witness or would say that based on uh, what we have seen so far, the two witnesses you have already called are the witnesses you, you have to make your case with? I think you've just asked the, question, the same question and other guys. You all see what will happen on Friday. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to find out uh, 
how strong your case is now looking at the number of applications dismissed by the court we still think we have a very strong case we are very very certain about the case we have before the court irrespective of the fact that our applications have been refused we came to court prepared we are ready to continue with the case and we will go through with the case till the very end um, on the case has been adjourned to Friday. Um, on Friday, are we expected to see your side cross-examining Madam Jean Mensah? The case has been adjourned to Friday. The Chief Justice is not, did not tell us what is happening on Friday. We will see what will happen in court on Friday. Thank you. <laughs> Chief. So Marietta Brewer appeal from the legal spokesperson for the petitioner, one of them. Uh, and uh, she essentially disagreeing with the decision. Uh, what has been arrived at by the Supreme Court in terms of the, the request that they put before the court. She says, though, that they have a strong case. And you had the responses in terms of what's going to happen on Friday. She's not giving anything away at all. Uh, I'll come to Kojo. Kojo will tell us about the, the, the temple because you've been monitoring the previous addresses after uh, you know each hearing. But Justice Abdullah is still with us. I think he was in the middle of addressing an issue that you raised. Let's get that off the table. Yes, Justice. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Um, Kojo may have to help me remind me. Um, Oh. Yeah, I, I, you, think I, I, I think I literally finished, actually. I, I think you did. Uh, I don't uh, you know, know if, if I can now yes. then ask my little follow-up. Oh, yeah, please do. Which was, um, which was, <laughs> which was, I, I was I'm interested in your, your uh, interpretation of um, Chachu, uh, lawyer Chachu Chikata's um, insistence that the questions, some of the questions that were asked by the uh, judges yesterday were irrelevant. I mean, if you think about it from a layman's perspective, um, you know, uh, you are making a case to a, a court. Now, the judge wants to understand your case, so the judge asks questions. And you tell the judge that the questions the judge asked were irrelevant. I mean, I, I, is that not a little bit of a risky strategy, especially since your, your aim is to convince the judge of your case? Could you, um, Lisa, you're aware, so, um, so, yeah. It's a question. It's a question. <laughs> <laughs> well, fortunately for you, you're not wearing a, a wig. You're not in a room, so... <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> When they come after you, don't mention my name. <laughs> <laughs> but because could I really I mean you 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 got it really right and I am on all fronts with you on that. I mean in fact including your choice of words. Surely um there's but these kind of comments could only come from Shikata, no one else. Nobody would make such a comment before the Supreme Court. I mean to be fair, um, I can't see I can't think of any lawyer in Ghana who can use such words before a Supreme Court. Um, I mean, and I say a Supreme Court, not just the Supreme Court, any Supreme Court. I mean, oh, um, but, but hang on, yeah. um, Justice Abdullah and um, Kojayag Singh, what does irrelevance mean? It simply means not related to, to the subject at hand. 
What's legally yeah. wrong with using the word? Uh, um, there, there may not be anything legally wrong except in our system, we hold our judges in the highest form of esteem that you can possibly think of. And, and because um, your hands are literally in their mouths, you would be very careful in the choice of words. Um, remember, as we always say, the case is not even your case. It's your client's case. If out of um, the indignity of the judge, he decides to um, um, visit his anger on your client, mm -hmm. the client is a loser, not you as a lawyer. Even though for but it's, isn't it ultimately your case? But, I, but I, I want us to get something clear here, because a lot of lawyers agreed to the fact that some of the comments uh, were not questions, but they were commentary, uh, almost judging, if not judging, the attitude of the witness or the performance of the witness, uh, you know, doing a certain responsibility or a certain job. I guess Those are extra common outside the questions that he asked. I, I mean, just before justice comes in, I guess the <laughs> question is, uh, what is the value of the strategy of pointing out to the judge that uh, your, in your view, their questions were irrelevant? As a strategy, how, how, how is that? Helpful, I guess, is my question. I guess just um, um, mm -hmm. maybe, let, maybe if I should um, aid projection um, um, in, in this math. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Maori. Let's be fair. How does labeling a judge and his comments as irrelevant advance your case before the court? Absolutely none. At the end of the day, we should all remember that the courts is the determinant of what is relevant, not the parties. You don't determine what is relevant. You can determine what is relevant to you, but the court determines what is ultimately relevant before it. And so it is the court that determines, in fact, matters of fact and matters of law are the complete, um, um, are within the complete jurisdiction of the court to make a determination of, and not the parties who are appearing before the court. And so indeed for you as a, as a lawyer or as a party, the the question or the comments may not be relevant um but at the end of the day the court is the one going to write the judgment and you may be you may be the best lawyer in the world but if the court thinks otherwise um i do not know how your your credentials as the best lawyer in the world can save that situation until you probably go on appeal in this case um in this case only um on a review and if you're not lucky and it doesn't go well you would have shot yourself in the foot. And that's highly unwarranted. It's clearly unwarranted. But I do understand that sometimes our emotions take the better part of us. And if you remember, if I, I'm sorry, Mama B, in the morning, I had mentioned that some of the comments made by Justice Apple, for instance, um, beyond asking questions, um, from, were probably not appropriate because they were not, um, they were not matters that he could have decided to avoid it. Um, they, um, uh, they, they were nothing that he could have, um, he could have um, restrained himself from going into the arena of labeling the, 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 the witness as having derelicted on his duties and, and all of that they're doing 
um, um, the petitioner a disfavor. I do not see how that um, is important mm. in the determination of the matters before it, uh, before the court. Um, at the end of the day, the court will rely on all those matters and make their commentary, and that will be more formal, and it will be on record for the rest of our lives. And so that, for me, um, you can look at it from that angle, but to question the relevance of questions posed by the bench, um, I don't think that is proper. I would never do that. And of course, I, I may not be anywhere close to um, lawyer, um, the lawyers for the petitioner, but in my small, humble um, practice, I think I, re I would restrain myself in making such commentary. Um, I do not see how that advances my case, really, at the end of the day. What, what is the benefit? What is the probative value, probative benefit for, of an attack that I launch on a judge? Mm. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Is that something... It's like punching your wife in the face. I don't know how you benefit from punching your wife in the face. <laughs> is, that, is that something that the court... Is that something, um, Justice, that the court will take notice of? Is that something that could hurt a person's case? Um, in an, uh, legally, it shouldn't. Legally. It shouldn't, because at the end of the day, the court doesn't operate with emotions. The court is supposed to operate with law and procedure. And so the fact that even a lawyer had misconducted himself and even had used um, raw, insulting ways before a court should not affect the merits of the matters before the court. Um, and if indeed it finds its way into the judgment, um, I think that would be improper and that would be um, unfair to the petitioner and indeed and to we, any other party who right. is victimized as a result of the misconduct. Justice, the unfortunately, we have to end it here and cross over and join Kojo Ponkroma. Same answer, 47% for the petitioner, 51% plus for the second respondent. We were informed that he intended to put a second witness in the box who adduced further evidence that nobody crossed the 50% mark. Dr. Kwesa White was put in the box yesterday. The crux of his evidence was that he was he and Mr. Rojo Metonunu were deceived by the EC chair with an instruction to leave. Uh, the EC premises during the coalition and upon further cross-examination he admitted that the EC chair could not actually instruct them so to do. We have been waiting for the evidence or further witnesses who will provide evidence that nobody crossed the 50% mark. This is the government of their case. Today we were seized or the court was seized with an application that was filed yesterday and I heard our colleagues just left say that this has been there for a while. It's not true. Check the date on the application. This application was filed yesterday. This application was filed yesterday. In fact, it was filed... It was served on us yesterday, but it was filed the day before. So this claim that this, this application had been put in way ahead of time is not true. That's why you heard our counsel talk about 34 days after the initial application. But be that as it may, this application is aimed at giving the petitioner an opportunity to go and inspect some documents. Inspection of documents generally is allowed in litigation. But it is not a matter that you have as of right. It is at the discretion of the court. And you have to convince the court or establish something before the court for the court to grant it. You have to prove that there is some necessity for you to be given leave to inspect those documents because among other things it will be necessary for the fair disposal of the matter
Without it, there will not be a fair disposal of the matter. And that it may also be necessary to reduce the cost of litigation. You heard Mr. Chachuchikata on his feet for about an hour trying to establish the necessity for which they should be granted leave to inspect these documents. And you heard counsels on the side of the first and second respondents argue that no necessity has been demonstrated because all of those documents are already in the custody of the petitioner. And the petitioner has not demonstrated before the court that there's anything wrong with the copies that he has and therefore asking to inspect the originals because you have the documents already. Indeed, some of those documents were attached by the petitioner himself to his petition, some of the witnesses as well to their witness statements. And so the principle, the legal principle of necessity for fair disposal of the matter has not been demonstrated. And there has been no argument even made about a reduction in the cost of litigation. We also noticed principally that as the case moves on, and particularly with this application, the petitioner is now seeking to invite the court to breach a time-tested rule in litigation that he who alleges must prove. You come to court with your own case and your burden of proof is on you. It is when you have satisfied what we call a case, you have made a case in law, that the burden of proof now shifts onto the respondent or the defendant to respond. Indeed, if by the time you are done, and for those of you who are court correspondents, you know. If by the time you are done submitting what you think is a case, the legal threshold of making a case under the law has not been made, the respondents or the defendants have the opportunity to move a motion for no case because you have not made a case. So it is when you have moved a case and satisfied the legal threshold that the burden of proof shifts. We are observing that this is an attempt to shift the burden uh, through the back door. Now, the court, as you observed, um, rose to consider the various arguments and came with a ruling. Before then, plaintiff had made an argument that if you have nothing to hide, why don't you produce the documents? Those documents are even on the internet. They have been published already. They are within the custody of the petitioner. So don't be swayed by this uh, propaganda line that if you have nothing to hide, why are you uh, uh, not producing the documents? The documents have been made available. They are already in the custody of the petitioner. They are in the custody of all other political parties or candidates who took part in this election. They are in the custody of the second respondent. And they have not demonstrated any necessity for it. In the end, the court ruled. And I just want to uh, quote what the uh, court said through the respected Chief Justice said, the applicant has not demonstrated the necessity that must be met. And that indeed, on record, they have admitted that they have the documents. No proper case has been made for this application, which we have spent a number of hours on today. And if you look at section, I think, 166 of the Evidence Act, um, they have not raised issues of authenticity even. And therefore, it is not the one hour you know, submissions and English that would invoke the court to exercise its discretion in this matter. You must ground it in law and proof same. We are of the view that the pendulum swings back to the petitioner who had advertised that he has five witnesses who will give evidence to show that nobody got 50%. We've heard the first two. The jury is out on that one. 
if there are three other witnesses, now will be the good time for them to either submit those witnesses to adduce this evidence that shows they are supporters that they told they had won and then they came to change the story. But that will show them that indeed nobody won. Or if they are not able to put further witnesses before the court, then they would have to bring down their case and then um, the respondents will also have to now move to their next line of action. We think it's generally been a good day in court for justice and we look forward to um, the directions of the court on Friday. So, Mr. Minister-designate, uh, uh, Mr. Kujopon Kroma, uh, two questions. The first one is that we've noticed that in court, most of the time, the petitioner's side is doing very long arguments, whereas the respondents, both you and the, the EC side, do very little arguments. What's accounting for this? And again, every time we've come to court when there's an adjournment, the Chief Justice will indicate what will happen next, in the next sitting. This adjournment, there is no such indication. Can you give us some indication as to what we should expect at the next sitting? I mean, obviously, you saw the um, bench invite lead councils into chambers and have a set of conversations with them. We were not in chambers, we were not privy to it. It was something that obviously they did not want to uh, advertise in open court. Uh, I am sure that that has an influence on the adjournment and the directions for Friday, but we are not in a position to say because we were not in there. We'll look forward to whatever uh, the Honorable Court will put out on Friday. But to your first question, um, yes, as a matter of fact, you notice that counsel for the petitioner sometimes has about an hour. In fact, today you noticed from about 9.30 something to about 10.30, they're about on his feet making arguments. Uh, and counsels for first respondent and second respondent are very crisp in their responses. It is because this is a court of law, not a court of public opinion. When you make an application before the court, you must satisfy what the law requires and back it with authorities that are relevant or the legal invocations that are relevant. For example, if you recall the application for leave for supplementary, counsel for the petitioner was on his feet for several minutes. But if you listen to the ruling of the court, it says that even the authority that you cited, Elistar Maklu, has nothing to do with supplementary applications of this nature. And the, the, the expectation that you will give us good law to back your application did not happen. So we are not invoked. Councils on our side, you notice, are limiting themselves to the law and the legal requirements, are not necessarily arguing with the bench, and are speaking to matters of law. So what does the law say? That is what we are interested in arguing. So if um, uh, uh, under uh, uh, CI 127, under Rule 44, there's a clear provision that forms are set out and must be made available to all parties. All we need to do is to invoke that. We don't need a lot of grammar to make our case. And that's why you would have noticed that we are not spending too much time uh, uh, speaking English, but we're speaking law. understand how we get when we don't get the information we, we seek. So, follow up to his, uh, one of his questions. Do you have, and can you help us with any indication as to what Okay, uh, that's uh, Kojo Paul Kroma there answering uh, questions from the media and addressing the media after today's sitting. Joseph Akableza, court correspondent. Joseph, just before we wrap up, what did you, uh, or have you picked up anything from that uh, hearing in camera? Uh, no, Mama, so far we have not been able to get information. We are still digging and checking with our sources. But what we know for a fact is that 
uh, there was a report that was made that uh, what has transpired suggests it has been granted in the sense that uh, the, the request was to the effect that there was a witness that uh, this is how they would want some direction. So we are coming back on Friday. We do not know what expectations are, but we are just looking at the way to get some Joseph, uh, that will be it. Thanks a lot, Joseph Akubleza, our co correspondent. He will continue with the update on Friday, God willing. Uh, Kojang Singh, we have to go real quick and make way for sports today. Absolutely. Uh, it's been quite a memorable day in court. Uh, we've seen the interpretations of both sides as usual. Uh, one is accusing the other of speaking English while these people are. Joy, 99.7 FM. Charlie with Bedborough Ghana, everything, not double, double-o. Bedborough Ghana is giving all our new customers we sign up 100% cash back in free bets up to 400 CDs. This means whether you spend one CD or 100 CDs in bets, we give you that same amount back to make more bets and increase your chances of winning big. So visit our website, bedborough.com.gh. Sign up and enjoy this amazing offer today. Bedborough Ghana, be a player, not a viewer. Please gamble responsibly for over 18s and above only. We bring you joy on the airwaves. We bring you joy lighten up your nights cool your day so when you feel love Welcome to the headline news at two with me and Estimino. The Supreme Court has in a unanimous decision turned down a request by the 2020 NDC presidential candidate John Mahama to be allowed to inspect documents in the custody of the Electoral Commission. Now these are documents relied upon by the EC to allow the result of the presidential elections across polling stations, constituency, regional and national coalition centre. Lead counsel for the Mr. Mahama Chachuchikata had argued that access to the document will ensure a fair determination of the case. However, the judges say no new evidence has been given by the petitioner to warrant the court granting the application for the original document to be handed over to the petitioner. We'll bring you more on this in our subsequent bulletins. Away from that, 17 people have died after a bus in which they were traveling collided with another on the Tamale Kintampa Road. Now about 45 others are said to have sustained various degrees of injury in a head-on collision involving two buses at Sarichitre, a farming community near Fufoso in the Savannah region. Now all 17 bodies, including the drivers from both vehicles, 12 male and 4 female, including a child, have been deposited at the Bupe Polyclinic Mortuary. An eyewitness, Amina Isaku, recounted what happened. Yes, 
Meanwhile, 45 injured persons are currently receiving treatment at the BP Polyclinic. Acting Public Relations Officer of the Savannah Regional Police Command, Osu Ejekum, blamed the accident on fatigue. Our initial investigation uh, tells us that one of the drivers were actually sleeping, was actually sleeping. When it comes to these buses who travel distances, from Garu Timpani to Accra, from Garu to Kumasi, who will admonish that the, the operators at least should get two drivers, okay. like how uh, the FCC uh, company is doing. The Great Accra Regional Hospital at Rechi and Accra is struggling to contain the increasing number of critical and severe COVID-19 cases being reported at the facility. Now, this is in spite of recent expansion of the COVID-19 treatment center, which increased the bed capacity at the facility from 8 to 16. Johnny says Manuel Krantin, who visited the hospital today, reports the facility is battling to keep a steady supply of oxygen due to the huge demand by patients on admission. Currently what we have is a manifold with a number of oxygen cylinders behind the building. So that is what supplies oxygen to the patients. But sometimes we run out of oxygen. So when we run out of oxygen, we have to bring cylinders, standby cylinders, and connect the patients on them. We don't think that is good for an ICU with system bed capacity. So we have informed management and they are doing frantic efforts, they are making all frantic efforts to get the center connected to the oxygen plants at the hospital. And they, they say it's a, it's a little bit expensive. So they are working on that. Now, Ghana is planning to embark on a rigorous COVID-19 vaccine exercise when the vaccine finally arrives into the country. The Ghana Health Service has indicated the first consignment is likely to arrive in March this year. Speaking on the Super Morning Show, Director General of the Ghana Standards Authority, Professor Alexander Dodu, revealed government is planning to administer the vaccine in a manner to ensure the process is not repeat, repeated yearly. Now you are uh, immunizing the whole population. By the time you are done, some would have taken it earlier than later. Would they have the same protection or not? They would not. But if we are efficient in our immunization, by the time we are done, hopefully we would have gotten rid of the virus. In fact, that is the magic bullet. Because we don't want to be subjecting our population to COVID vaccination every year. I mean, that is, that is going to raise so many other questions. And you have there the Director General of the Ghana Standards Authority, Professor Alexander Dodu. Now, some public sector offices in the Ashanti region are implementing a shift system to contain the spread of COVID-19 at workplaces. And now, Jima visited the office at Ifija Kwabre South District to assess measures adopted to deal with the pandemic. With the enforcement of the social distancing, hygiene and mask wearing protocol. President Akufuado, in his last COVID-19 address, encouraged offices to run shift systems as a measure to contain the spread of the disease at the workplace. 
all workplaces, public and private, must employ a shift system for workers in addition to the use of virtual platforms for business or work. This after the call, some public sector players have started cutting down the number of staff reporting to their office. The staff population of the Efijakwabri South District has been reduced to ensure social distancing protocols. The client service department and the office of the DC Secretary have fewer staff to ensure social distancing. And now, Jim, I found that report and then the headline is at 2. I'm an estimator. Joy 99.7 FM. Sweet darling. My beautiful baby. Sika bibra with your mommy. Hepa Plus Mixer and I'm on your sensicano. Hepa Plus Mischia, a businia no, a businia new system. A busumi pinio, bia and yarede, and I'm a winner sassiki yamami. Mintia siemedo. Tia, me busmiaka tia, Michichim, no one will say a shasianum, Hepa Plus Mixer. Yen why a din, yen general well being. I yes solid. Sika canana yakosenqua, our hospital, and Masevu Amadusano. She, we a Hepa Plus husband. You do not wake up sounding like this. <coughs> so why allow your car to sound like this? man treats his car is how he treats himself and that says a lot a noisy engine is your car communicating with you so treat your engine with all the love and care it deserves listen to it keep it strong and healthy with petrozole platinum engine oil petrozole platinum is specially formulated to efficiently lubricate clean and protect your engine to ensure optimum performance at all times and oh you love the silence now hop in and enjoy absolute peace of mind Petrosol Platinum. Thick and thin. You go go, Now here's an exciting news for all builders of houses. DBS Industries Limited brings you Colorlink Plus Roofing Shades to help complete your dream house in style. Experience the amazing touch of Colorlink Plus Roofing Shades with its unique ability to self-clean any dirt, making it clean at all times. DBS is also giving a whopping 10% discount on all types of roofing shades from now till 31st December. So go get Colorlink Plus Roofing Shades to complete your dream home today and get 20 years warranty against fading and peeling. Remember to look out for the color link imprint on all DBS roofing sheets for validation. Visit DBS Industries Limited in Accra on the Spintex Road in the DBS building near the Papaya restaurant or call 0240-844-444 or 0543-286-637. DBS Industries Limited, we truly are your roof experts. 
ba eni ma me du fi oye djuma oduk si anopa biere me nua be sori ahodin mu no kwadjuma on complain that said we be tutunu sansu na me bra we fitani o tu engine no opeja engine ya kwadjuma said is tie da bibiera no ho den 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 me amayire o store no edi nidwa me yire en sori anopa enka se na nia ha ana said no hoye ne mreda sanam papa ni fia konkan ono zo complain that said we be ya o sori anopa na no afanse kan no okonefu me akroboto madjuma me ye me kanin na me acte na me kobe ba tebiera no e bra me de beda mpona adias nanso men sori da kokranka se me hu ba bia me ya ni secret e wintasem e ya dura e de boy ho ba ni nyana ni kowa mesha kwani e ya dura onomo a e bo oni padua no e ma osi pi osi ta me kanfo ama o se wonso no no kowa mesha ni bi na ba bua o na abua oni obusua na yare da ho e ya nunu mbi na be dia danse wo benye bia to o ba bia to no bia na opedudu otunsua fresh telephone number si 0591565778 0509 May I have your attention for some funeral announcements. Otumfo Osetutu the second Asantehene. Nana Kunedu Yadom the third Asantehema Oheneba Eduse Puku Achimpemhene Nana Amwinima Dedi Adansehema Nana Ous Diaka Bomsohene Justice S. A. Brobe, retired Supreme Court Judge Mrs. F. A. Pia Tema The Brobe family, Societe General Ghana, the entire Ekona family of Adansefomena and the Agate group of companies regret to announce the death of their beloved Edmund Rekubrovi, former advisor to the MD of Société Générale Ghana. Funeral arrangements are as follows. Burial service, Thursday, February 4, 2021, at St. Anthony of Padua Anglican Church at Belingpe, Accra, at 8.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. Thereafter, for private burial, attire is black. Final funeral rites, Saturday, February 6, 2021, at the Officers Mess Park, Danyame Kumasi. Attire is black. Memorial and Thanksgiving service, Sunday, February 7, 2021, at St. Cyprian's Anglican Cathedral, Fantinu Town, Kumasi. Attire is black and white. All COVID protocols would be adhered to. Mr. Solomon Tete Opariado Queno, head of Ni Queno family of Osu, Accra, and Great Ningo, Nene Asafwache Adela, head of Adelawi, Ningo, Nana Mponsawa IV, Osu Alatamanye, Ni Tete True II, Utupai Manche, and Bese Mankrolo. Mr. Alfred Quetin Queno, Head of Family, Osu. Madam Florence Mamliu Queno. Madam Jessie N. Queno. Mangochona, Head of Family, Osu. Mr. Ben Queno and Professor Martha Tamaklo announced with deep sorrow the death of their beloved Mrs. Sarah Kweki Lati. Ni Queno, aged 60 years. 
funeral arrangements are as follows. There will be no wakekeeping. Foul past is at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Burial service, Friday, 5th February, 2021, at the Accra Ridge Church at 9 a.m. Internment, Friday, 5th February, at the Osu Cemetery at 11 a.m. Funeral rites at the Accra Ridge Church grounds. Memorial and Thanksgiving service will be held on Sunday, 7th February, 2021, at the Accra Ridge Church at 7.30 a.m. Widower, Mr. George Lakote Late. Children, Mrs. Michelle Lale Eyeribi and Mrs. Yasmin Lako Quagreen. Dress code black on Friday and Sunday. All friends and sympathizers are cordially invited. The end of the announcements. We bring you joy on the airways. We bring you joy, lighting up your night. Cool your day. So when you feel